Um, if you have your Bibles, please open with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 33. And for those who are visiting today, all the cross-references, I use a lot of cross-references, will go up on the screen wherever closest to you. Um, typically what I do is I teach through a book, chronologically, but topically, because every paragraph has a topic, and that's what we'll be looking at today. And the topic we're looking at is walking in harmony, walking in harmony. Let's open in prayer. Father, today we thank you so much for loving us, for opening up our eyes to know you. And Lord, that is our desire to walk in harmony, really first with you. Because we know if we are walking in harmony with you, we'll be walking in harmony with others. Lord, magnify yourself today. Speak through your word to each and every heart. And all God's people said, Amen. We're going to be looking at the roles and priorities of a husband. Guys, that you're visiting today, you got it today. Uh, last week we looked at the women. Next week we're going to be looking really at children, and then we'll be looking at servants, and then we'll start on spiritual warfare. So in kind of a little background, husbands are never told to keep their wives in subjection. Husbands are never commanded or even told to say, submit, submit, woman, submit to me. In reality, that is an Old Testament teaching that was really abuse of the Scripture. So it's, it's not the command, but husbands, even from the Old Testament, were instructed to love their wives. And while it was infrequent, it is, they are told to love their wives. Now, ancient sources, surprisingly, do not speak, again, frequently of husbands loving their wives. But what's amazing, you know, when we take last week's message and put it together with this week's message, that word submission and that word love, which is agape, that sacrificial love, they're really, again, synonymous they're really much the same because submission is something that you lovingly women do to your husbands. And as we looked at last week, it's submit yourself to your own husband, not submit yourself to every man around you. That's not what the scripture teaches. And yet there are men today that that's what their call is. Now it's interesting as we, we see this word, if there's anything that's really different, that command for husbands to love their wives, especially as Christ loves the church, that's strong. And he doesn't tell the wives to love their husbands, but he tells the husbands to love their wives. Now, it's interesting when we look back in, in the culture at that time, a husband had very few responsibilities at that time to, to put food on the table and just those basic needs. And, and the rest of the time, it was all about himself. He could go and spend and hang out time with his friends and everything. But the woman, she was to cook, she was to shop, she was to clean, she was to do everything, and even work outside that home in every way. 
And she had no rights at that time. In fact, a husband could just easily just decide, well, this woman's prettier over here, so I'm going to divorce my wife. And he would just leave. And that's why this passage is so important to help us understand really that biblical principle. And he's going to liken it again to how a husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. That's the examples. And it's dramatic, the change, because now husbands, it's, it's so emphasized, you are to love, you are to esteem. And we're going to see it in our text. And it's so powerful. Well, let's read our text together. Ephesians 5, verse 25, it starts, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, and that he might present to himself a church in all of her glory, having no spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we're members of his body, and for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to one, and the two shall become one flesh. Now verse 32 goes on. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see that, it, that she respects her husband. Now, I'm not going to go there today, but if, if a husband would sacrificially love his wife as Christ loves the church, no woman would have any difficulty submitting to her husband. In fact, when we looked last week at verse 21, that they're to submit to one another. It's never meant to be this power struggle that we often see. And wives, if you would show respect to your husband, you see, this is the, the real key, love and respect. In fact, there, there's a guy that does a thing on marriage. It's love and respect. When, when men learn how to love their wives, and when women respect their husbands, this is a marriage, and important to understand, that is God's way. This is the marriage that, that is really abundant. This is a marriage that will flourish. This is the, the marriage that will glorify the king. This is the marriage when someone sees a couple and they look at it and they see a husband loving a wife and a wife showing respect, that the, the younger generation will come up and say, I want a marriage like that. I want a husband like that. I want a wife like that. This is when we are the light unto the world that God has called us to be. Well, look with me. Walking in harmony is really loving with God's love. Now, remember, God has poured his love into our hearts. And again, that love is to be directed in submission to one another, as I mentioned in verse 21. And the primary way that a husband submits to his wife is really loving her. And that's what we're going to look at. How do I love my wife? Before 
a man is married, they, they court them. They do everything to make him happy. Everything they can do to, to cater to them. And it's after the honeymoon's over, that's it. They fall into a rut and they go back and it's all about them. And, and that's not a marriage that God intended. But it's this kind of love when we submit to one another. When a husband loves his wife, it's a boundless love. It's a love that, that continues to grow and it becomes richer and richer and richer. It's a love that is sacrificial. I remember my grandparents... They were in a home in Tucson, Arizona, and, and my kids were getting older, and I wanted to take him to see my grandparents. My grandmother had dementia, and I didn't want to take my kids, part of me, because I didn't want them to remember my grandma with dementia. And, but I went, and I told my grandmother about receiving Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden, 15 minutes, I, I have my, my grandmother and she was so excited because when Jesus is in the heart, it will always be there no matter what. And after 15 minutes, it disappears. Well, Jesus was in my grandfather's heart as well. My grandfather did everything for my grandmother and he no longer had any strength for himself. See, he took those words till death do them part very seriously and my grandma says, I, I want to go home. And he says, well, where do you want to go? He says, you know, uh, home. You know, that state with an I in it. She couldn't remember where it was. So my grandfather took her in the wheelchair, pushed her out, 110 degrees down the street, trying to find that state, Indiana, from Tucson, Arizona. Eventually, they had to separate those two. My grandfather loved my grandma, to the very end, with a commitment and a dedication to her. That's the love. That's sacrificial love. He loved her. He loved to serve her. Men, that's what we do. We get to serve our wives. It is something that when you and I grasp it, it's something that we are learning lifelong. Because none of us arrive, no matter what you think. Well, again, when God and Christ are said to love, that word, again, as I mentioned, is agape or agapeo. And it's this limitless compassion. It's a supreme sacrificial love. And it's only possible in your life and my life when we draw from the love that God has poured into our hearts that we pray and ask God for this love. Increase my love. And when you pray for that, it means trials and storms. Let me tell you, that's how you learn to love. You learn to love the unloving, the unkind actions. Because this love is also associated with mercy, and the kindness of God. If you doubt me, look at the cross. We see mercy and we see grace. So husbands are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church. And 
Christ loved the church before it even had come into existence. Love is something we choose. We choose to love a person. Love is something that we make a commitment to. Till death do us part, no matter what. We commit our love. It's not based, as we looked at that last week, upon the way a person speaks, the way a person looks, the way a person acts, that we love a person in spite of all those actions, we choose to love them. Notice Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, notice, in love. God set his love upon you and me before the foundation of the world and that he would conform you and me to the image of Jesus Christ. That the image of Jesus Christ is being formed in us. Remember that song, Abba? I played it a few times for you. The very end of that song, there's a part where he's crying out to God, Abba, Abba, Father. Do you see your face in me? That's what God is forming in you and me. The love of Christ. That people see Christ through us. That our wife sees Christ through us. Romans 5.5 says that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So when people say, I I, I don't love, I didn't come from a a loving family, I don't know how to love, well, that may be true in one sense, but our Heavenly Father has poured His love into our hearts, and all we can do is we can dam it up and not let that love flow out. But if we remove that dam and let that love flow, experience that boundless love, that merciful love, that compassionate love, and it will not only be for our wives, our family, for our friends, for our children, but this whole community. That when we have a love, a love of a God, we will have a love for the lost, a love for the hurting. That's the love that he's poured into our, and it's, it's the motivation within us when we remove again that veil, that dam, and let his love flow through us. See, when his love is, is poured in us, it's Christ's own nature has been poured in you and me and is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every person that's born again has the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You have that power to love people as Christ loved the church, that sacrificial love. You either say yes to love or you will say no to love. If you say yes you're saying yes to God. But if you say no, you're also saying no to God. Therefore, in this sense, this love has been poured into the heart. The husbands are to submit to the Lord by being filled with the Spirit. And we talked about that being filled with the Spirit is really under that influence, that control, that leading, that prompting, letting Him lead. And it's that same kind of love that Christ has for the church that flows through you and me. Look with me again in verse 25. We see walking in harmony is seen in a sacrificial love. And he gave himself up for her. If you want to walk in harmony with your boss, your your friends, then you 
walk in love. When someone is hurting you, abusing you, and physically abused, yes, you need to step back from that relationship. When Jesus Christ came to earth, stop and think about this, he knew that when he came that he would be mocked, he'd be ridiculed, he would be rejected, he'd be beaten and crucified. But he willingly came to earth. And when you and I choose to love someone, we will experience, maybe not to the extent of these things, but we will experience anger, bitterness, unloving actions and choices. But see, God allows these things in our life that we too would learn to love. We too would learn to deny ourselves and follow in his ways. In Philippians 2, 6 and 8, speaking about Christ, says, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But notice he emptied himself in verse 7 and taking the form of a, a bondservant, being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In his humanity, he, he did not want to go to the cross praying in that garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there's any other will, will or way, let it, let it be, but nevertheless, your will, not my will. None of us like suffering. None of us like to be abused or hurt or mocked or rejected. But Christ willingly went forward. This is the love that you and I are to, to love with. It's a merciful love. It's a compassionate love. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 says, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps a good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you imagine somebody that is wronging you and hurting you, thinking horrible about you, telling stories about and yet you are merciful and loving and gracious to them? And as the scripture says, a kind word takes away wrath. Love covers a multitude of sins. This is how you and I learn to love one another. Jesus' love for his church not only was sacrificial, but it was graciously sacrificial. Look at Romans 3.10 and verse 11 as well. As written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. Selfish, self-centered. The world's love is self-centered and in object, again, oriented. Today, often people love on, on the basis of maybe a, a physical appearance, attractiveness, or personality, or wit, or some high standing, or some positive Characteristic is what they can see or feel. But the result is that people love 
and choose to love when they think somebody is worthy of their love. We were so unworthy of the love of Christ, but yet God set his love upon us. And sometimes people seem so unworthy and and extending love when they're hurtful, and yet God calls us to love them. Not be a doormat, but to love them. But this kind of love that the world loves, it's it's a fickle love. As long as things are going my way, you agree with me, I'm going to to love you. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to, to die for you. But the moment something changes, I'm not going to give myself. And that's why we have such a high divorce rate today. Because it's all about ourselves. 1 John 4, 8 says, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you've been born again, Christ Jesus, his spirit is in you. And guess what? The love of God is in you. And we have that ability. In fact, even that desire, but we have to quench that spirit if we don't want to love. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says this, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need of anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. You know, God teaches you how to love someone else. And again, as I mentioned earlier, he often brings unloving people or unloving actions into your life that you learn how to love them. You know, that's a great joy, a great victory when, when somebody has been very hurtful and yet you continue to be patient and loving them and, and you can kind of step back and say, my faith is real. You're kind of shocked because when somebody is hurtful, what do you want to do? You want to choke? Oh yeah, I see the eyebrows going up. You want to choke them. You want to get even with them. You want revenge. But the Lord says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Sometimes God allows us in these places that we learn to extend his mercy. Not only mercy, to be gracious to the unloving that they might see what real mercy and grace looks like that's not in the world. First John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The very evidence that you know God is this, this love. This love and acceptance, working through, praying, agreeing sometimes to disagree on, on things that are minor, insignificant, that are preferences. Notice again, the husband's not, command, uh, the husband's not commanded to love his wife because of what she is or what she's done or will do. Just love her. Lover, here's the example, is Christ loves the church. Why? Because it's God's will in that passage. Everyone who loves is born of God. It's God's will. He's poured his love into heart that we learn to love. We all remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Samaritans were despised by the Jews, but again, uh, the Samaritan is going along and he sees this man beat up on the side of the road. There's nothing this man can do for him, but what he does is he 
picks this man up, he bandages and helps him, takes him to an inn, pays the cost, and he says, when I come back, you know, whatever extra cost is, I'll cover it all. See, this man that was beaten up needed to be loved. He needed provision made for him. There was nothing that this man could ever give back to this man, but he chose to extend his love. He chose to extend the mercy. He chose to extend that grace. That's the love that God would have us do. This man had a a generous character. He saw a need and love was able to meet that need. It was a sacrificial love. And it's something that the world does not expect. Look with me again at John 3, 16 and, and 17. Notice, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Notice, continue in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. See, Christ came not to judge, but to save us and set us free from the bondage of this world and set us free that we might love others. First John four nineteen says this, we love because he first loved us. We look at him and we see this love. It, it, it's, it's encouragement, it's a model, it's example that we follow. If we wanna learn to love, we look at Jesus Christ. We look at the cross. We look how he dealt with abusive people and we learn how to love. How do we love? By dying to ourselves, serving our wives. This is following God's pattern for love. This is how we submit to our wives is just pouring our love out, which is really God's love. Well, the world continually uh, focuses on a man that you need to be macho. You de- need to defend yourself, assert yourself, call attention to yourself, live totally for yourself. In God's kingdom, it's being a servant. It's being a bond servant. It's taking the lowest, in a sense, position and serving there. The way up in the kingdom is really the way down, becoming a servant. And everyone wants a servant, everyone wants a slave, but it doesn't mean abusive situations. God, on the other hand, tells every Christian man to deny himself for the sake of others. Well, we're going to look at walking in harmony as seen really in a purifying love. Look at verse 26 and 27 in our text. So that he might sanctify her. That's the husband, sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present himself to the church in all her glory, having no spot and wrinkle, any such thing, but she would be holy and blameless. Excuse me, this is about Christ, how he would sanctify the church. But this is the example that you and I are to follow. Now, when a bride in in ancient times would go to, to get married, she would go and, and she would go into a mikvah. She would, she would bathe. There would be a group of women around her. And then they would dress together. And then they would be later escorted by the bridegroom and by his friends. 
Well, this is like in this passage, again, to baptism is a, a sense of bathing and dressing. We put on the righteousness of Christ. It doesn't save us, but this is what Christ has provided for us. He washes us with the water of the word. We're born again by the water of the word. And he, too, is our groom. He, too, escorts us. In the church, the the, the baptism or being baptized is, is one humanity. It's one flesh. It's, again, in marriage, a husband and wife is one flesh and each other. He possesses her. She possesses him. When husbands love their wives as Christ loves the church, and this is important, they're walking in a purifying love. Now, divine love does not simply condemn wrong in those it loves. So it, it doesn't come to, to judge and, and condemn. No, no. It seeks to cleanse. It seeks to make a change through love. John fifteen twelve and 13 says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one who would lay down his life for his friends. So it's that, again, that sacrificial love. In John 13, 10, and Jesus said to them, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. The idea is that when you are born again, that you're placed in the body, but at that point, understand that you're again saved, but as you go through this life, you can't help but get your feet dirty. You can't help but be tainted by this world. And you need a, a daily washing. That washing, again, comes by the water of the word. The husband being that spiritual leader. Not just a, a physical leader, but washing them and cleansing them. The cleansing, again, it's it, salvation Christ does. But, but our part is, is to wash our wives. Just as God's gracious provision, we graciously make that provision. You know, one of the ways that begins is forgiving one another. Why do people get a divorce? Number one reason, they refuse to forgive one another. They refuse to forgive and, and they get a bitter root and they continue to grow and they begin to justify. Look at Matthew six fourteen and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgression, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you of your transgressions. Now, we know that if, if there's sin and we're harboring it in our heart, then our prayers will not be answered. That, that sin, now a person can be saved, but when we walk in this bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, then we are walking in broken fellowship with God. He's not saying a loss of salvation. But in marriage, you hurt the one you love the most. Is that true? Yeah, we do. And love will choose to forgive. Just as God has made a provision for you, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And we need to choose to forgive, even if they don't ask forgiveness. Love chooses the best, wants the most for another person. It continually seeks 
again, to help purify, in this case, the woman, help purify, cleanse her. Not, not preaching a sermon, but, but opening the word and praying, God, just cleanse us. Make us whole. Make me the, the godly leader you have me be. Give me the wisdom. Speak through me. Another way that a, a man can be, have this purifying love is, is protect her from the world's pollution, contamination of the evil in this world. Protect her holiness, her virtue, and purity in every way. It begins by, by men not flirting again in workplaces with maybe the secretary or someone else in, in that place that you work. Or your neighbor's wife. It means being one in heart committed to her that she feels safe in your love. This is what Christ has given us, the assurance that we are safe in Him, kept by His power, sanctified by His Word. And one day He will present us to the Father in all glory, without a spot, without a wrinkle. He'll finish the work. And we're simply men, the men, the husbands, to open the Word, to pray for, to love, to lead them, to be there, to be supportive of them. Look with me in verse 28. We're going to see walking in harmony is walking in a caring heart. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his own wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. And, and notice again that the Lord nourishes us. He cherishes us. Isn't it amazing that the God that spoke all this into existence cherishes you? He adores you? He loves you with an everlasting love? He chooses to see you without sin when you confess your sins. He separates them as far as the east from the west. He wants nothing to come between you and him in the relationship. And he cherishes bringing people into your life to, to help you grow, to love you, to minister to you. He strengthens us and he builds us up through his word and through his spirit. And when she needs strength, the husband gives strength. When she needs encouragement, he is to give encouragement. Just as Christ, again as Philippians 4.19 speaks about, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus, we are to supply those physical strengths, those encouragement, insurance, in our love. They, they should feel safe and secure in our love. To nourish a wife means to provide those needs, to help her grow, to help her mature, to become, to have favor with God, to have favor of man, to become everything that God would have her be. To cherish means a, a tender love. 
It's physical affection, touching, just being there, being close. It's to provide comfort, protection, and security. That her home is like her, her castle. And it's Christ provides all of those needs for us. Look with me in verse 31. We see walking in harmony is, is really seen in this unbreakable love. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The husband, again, is to simply love his wife as Christ loves the church with this abounding, everlasting, unbreakable love for his wife. You know, in reality, there should be no divorce within the body of Christ. Look with me in Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh. It it speaks of a a permanence. It speaks of a a, a unity in this marriage. And God's standard has never changed from the, the time of Adam to the law to Christ today. That Greek word cleave literally means glued or cemented together. That when we leave our parents, we're no longer to to break that relationship off and have a relationship that is cemented, bonded, glued. It is to be higher than any other relationship on this earth. It's binding and it's permanent. Malachi 2.16 says this, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, while God hates divorce, God loves divorced people. God loves divorced people with an everlasting love. He hates the consequences that affects a family the husband, the wife, the kids, the community. And Satan loves to take advantage of that. Christ is always forgiving the believers. And husbands and wives are always to be forgiving each other. Now, notice with me in Matthew 19, verses 7 and 8. Jesus being questioned here, and they said to him by the Pharisees, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, because of the hardness of your heart. Moses permitted divorce, you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it's never been that way. Now, the reason for this divorce certificate is because of the abuse, because men were just getting divorced for every reason. Whatever pleased them. I love this story, though. The story of Hosea and his wife, Gomer. Gomer was unfaithful to the max, to the extreme. Not only was she committing adultery, she was a prostitute. Yet God's word to Hosea, so interesting, was keep loving her. Keep forgiving her. Boy, that would be hard, wouldn't it? 
whether it be a husband or a wife, just to say, I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep forgiving. Why? Because it hurts us so much. This love is a sacrificial love he's talking about. God will turn this whole situation around. God's, again, mercy and grace will be shown because this actually becomes a picture of Israel. They had committed spiritual adultery. And God's going to take them back, love them and forgive them. And it's a picture of you and me because every one of us here in some way have committed spiritual adultery. We put something else in our life before God. We can call it idolatry as well. And yet God continues to love us, continues to forgive us. And finally, in the end of the story of Hosea, if you remember Hosea and Gomer, again, God brings them together. And it's a picture of Israel. And it's this love. It motivates us when we stop and think about it to love our wives because this is how God loves Israel. This is how God loves the church. And this is the love that you and I are to love with. Notice First Peter 3, 7. It says, Live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone who is weaker. Since she is a woman, show her honor as fellow heirs of grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. That's again what he tells the men. Live with your wives in an understanding way. It doesn't mean you've you've got to understand and, and reconcile everything, but you just need to understand if that's how they are, that's how they're starting. You just love them. You just make a provision. You, you just go and hold them up. You just give them the strength. You just continue to cherish them. You continue to love them. And that love transforms and changes them. Again, notice, again, show her honor as a fellow heir of grace of life. Fellow heir. She's your sister in the Lord as well as a wife. Treat her with love. Treat her with respect. Be considerate of her. Be sensitive to her. Show consideration. A cockroach runs across the the floor. I go slay her dragon. If the flies are out, I get the fly swatter. I swat the flies. It's really to be nightly. It's to slay their dragons, those difficult things in their life, to deal with the giants in their life when they can't deal with it. I also find sometimes there's giants in my life. And she's extended that same grace to me. And that's really the love of Christ because we submit to one another. We're to honor them as fellow heirs of grace. Our sister, we're going to heaven We need to treat them with love and respect. Look with me, walking in harmony models Christ's love for the church. It's in verse 32, and the mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must 
see to it that she respects her husband. And now it brings it together. It's our transition that we're going to look at next week in the submission, really, of the kids. Again, the, the mystery, it's the picture. Your relationship, this is so important. The way, men, you treat your wife, that relationship, when the world sees that sacrificial love, the world doesn't know that. This is, again, a, a witness to the community. And certainly he's talking about this plan. Something was hidden from before that no one, but, but this is a picture. It is example of God's love for the church. What's interesting in verse 33, look with me at that word, nevertheless. He stops. And he says, each individual must or each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. So no matter what's going on, stop here. You just need to love him. There are no excuses, no, no more to talk about. The fact is, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Here's the example. This is my love. Just follow it out, work it out. Now, it's, it's individual, and again, and, and then he turns to the to women and says, and respect your husband. Sometimes some husbands don't deserve respect. He says, well, don't respect them. No, he doesn't say that. He says, show respect to them. Here's what you do. You love and you show respect. When a Christian husband... And a Christian wife walk in the power of the Spirit, yielding to his word, yielding again to his control. They are mutually submissive to each other. They will walk in love and they will bring glory to God. That's God's plan for you and me. Please stand. Father, I know even in my own life, I feel like I fall so short so often, and I know I'm not alone. But thank you, Lord, that you have made that provision for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, your forgiveness. And Lord, we want to love just like you. That bountiful, limitless love that continues to extend each day mercy and grace to those around us. Lord, help us. Because we know apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing of any value. Help us as men to love you, to love our wives as you have loved the church. And all God's people said, Amen.